Warriors fans might not be willing to admit it, but the Sacramento Kings did have the Golden State Warriors on the ropes in their last playoff series. Now, we know who won fair and square. The Golden State Warriors defeated the Sacramento Kings, and we're not going to spend a lot of time with revisionist history. We're going to look to the future. If the Sacramento Kings had the chance to choose their playoff opponent for next year's playoffs, would they choose a rematch with the Golden State Warriors or would they choose another team? To discuss that and more, Chris Watkins from Sacktown Sports 1140 joins me right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer at ABC10 News here in the California capital. And yes, the Sacramento Kings, I thought at many times over the course of the uh, playoff series against the Golden State Warriors, had the Warriors beat. I think the, the the Kings had a couple opportunities where some things go different ways. A shot or two is made. Certain players don't get hurt. The Kings win that series and they move on to the second round of the playoffs against the Gold or the the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, again, we're not focusing on revisionist history here. We're not going to go back and say shoulda, woulda, coulda because that's weak and it doesn't matter. Like we we know the Kings had a very very good chance. We can say that and admit that and feel confident in that while also acknowledging the fact that the Golden State Warriors defeated the Sacramento Kings. And I mean, because of Steph Curry's heroics and other big games, Draymond Green's really big game five, like ultimately the Warriors defeated the Kings twice uh, in Sacramento and they struggled all last season on the road in order to punch their ticket to the next round. So I'm not going to spew nonsense like the Sacramento Kings should have won the series and everybody knows the Sacramento Kings should have won the series. Like we're not doing anything like that. Again, we're looking towards the future. And I genuinely think because the Kings did have the Warriors number at times, because there were some significant circumstances that the Kings couldn't control, like an injury to De'Aaron Fox, that they might look at a chance at facing the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs again and say, that could be what's best for us. We want a shot at the Warriors again. We think the Warriors have only gotten older. We think we can beat that team. We know uh, we've had success against that team in the playoffs. We think that we can address with a full season and lots of practices and and training camp and things like that. We can address how the Warriors were able to stop us or or contain us or bother DeMontis Savonis and take away the dribble handoff. Like We feel like if we get another best-of-seven shot at the Golden State Warriors this time, we will defeat them and we will move on. Or maybe they're going, eh, we'd rather have another shot at a different team that maybe we match up better with, but we haven't seen before in a playoff setting. I don't know where the Sacramento Kings are at. I personally lean towards the Kings wanting another shot at the Warriors. I think not just for everything that I just listed out there. I think the Kings also want revenge. I do. And I think we're going to see elements of that uh, with the Kings and Warriors playing three times before December. The the home opener for the Kings being against the Golden State Warriors. We might see the Kings blowing off a little bit of steam uh, in that game. Or maybe we see the Golden State Warriors come out in that game and establish themselves as, yeah, we won this series. We deserve to win this series. Here's a little reminder. I don't think that's going to be the case, but maybe that happens. We don't know. So instead of me just kind of talking myself in circles and trying to figure out 
what would be better for the Sacramento Kings facing the Warriors or facing the field. I thought, let's go get my buddy Chris Watkins, a good friend of mine from Sacktown Sports 1140. He is now a radio host over there, the Whitey and Watkins show, uh, the midday show there at 1140. Uh, Chris has been a friend of mine for a while. I've seen him grow and 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 just develop into in my opinion, one of the best radio hosts in Sacramento. He's so incredibly good at what he does. Uh, and he's also insanely busy with the amount of work that he does over there at 1140. So to be able to steal him for 30 minutes here on Lockdown Kings was a real treat. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Sacktown Sports 1140's Chris Watkins. This is a special episode because the last time Chris Watkins joined Locked On Kings. He hadn't gotten the big break yet. But this is now Chris Watkins, the radio host, a sports or Sacktown Sports 1140 radio host with a midday show. You can catch him on 1140 every single day. Chris Watkins, congratulations, first off, my friend. Second off, how in the world did I convince you to, in addition to all your radio duties, do a podcast on top of that, man? I got to be paying you or something. Matt, first off, thank you, man. Uh, it's been... It's been a wild ride, you know. Uh, you you obviously spent some time over there at the station with me, and uh, yeah, you know you know it can be a grind. So uh, just just had to put my time in, and eventually, uh, you know, things ended up working out for itself. So glad to be on the other side of of uh, of all that hard work. It's it's been really fun to uh, just kind of get this. And, uh, I'm trying to trying to just kind of take it in stride and, and, you know, take it day by day as uh, as daily radio hosts tend to do. And uh, I wish I was getting paid for this. But uh, no, unfortunately, this is just out of the goodness of my heart. And so uh, unfortunately, I have a real soft spot for you. So, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just here to have some fun, man. Man, I'm a sucker for Chris Watkins. <laughs> but dude, no, I'm so I'm fired up for you, man. You work so hard. You deserve that yeah. radio show. And I'm excited to hear you host a radio show during King season because now you and I me mean, both man hitting hitting kind of the perfect time of the Kings are good again. The Kings are relevant again. We have high expectations for this season yeah. and that, and, and one of the main expectations, Chris, we expect this Kings team to make it back to the playoffs. The Kings yeah. expect to make it back to the playoffs and we're going to have a major conversation around the playoffs uh, here in just a second. But I'm wondering how much this meant to you or if this uh, stood out to you. At the end of the season last year, the Kings had their end-of-season press conferences, and, and one of the people we talked to, one of the players we talked to, was De'Aaron Fox. And what stuck out to me from that press conference more than anything is De'Aaron said, like, this is the first time that it really stings. This is the first time that it really hurts that the season is over because they believed they could go further. They knew that they had uh, that uh, that Warrior season in, in the palm of their hands. Like, what are you expecting from Fox and these Kings now that they've been through something like being 2-0 up in a, in a series where they had the home court advantage? They lost to the, at the time, defending champions, feeling that stig. Do you expect this? What do you expect from this team now? I expect this season to for them to come out with just a little bit of jobs not finished mentality. You know, I, I think uh, a big fear for me immediately, you know, after in the offseason was, okay, I kind of hope that this didn't get to their heads and I don't want them really feeling like, oh, we, we earned our spot. We showed that we, you know, we, we can, we can be a three seed in this, in this conference, no matter what, like this is a talent. Uh, but really this off season has been a lot of guys holding the sentiment of jobs not finished. And I, I'd love to hear that. Um, I, I think they're going to come out focused. I think that they understand that even this season, they're still being doubted just as much as they were last year. I think 
they ha- they know that they have to go prove that they're the team that they were last year. I mean, there's so many cases of teams that have, you know, broken long playoff droughts one season and then just kind of slide right back into losing basketball. You know, the Minnesota Timberwolves, you remember when Patrick Beverly's jumping up on the scores table and everything. It was such a cathartic moment for that franchise uh, when, when they get back again to the playoffs after, you know, Jimmy Butler initially had broken the playoff streak. It took them a couple years to get back. So I think this Kings team needs to still prove that they have it. Again, they're still being doubted. And I think, you know, they, they with the addition of Sasha Vizankov and the addition of Chris Duarte, I, I just expect this team to, to still be good and still be fun, but almost in some different ways. And that's really what I'm most excited about is just how different this team is from last year's and hopefully the success follows that. The conversation that we're having today is perfect for a podcast. It's not necessarily a conversation or a thought that I want the Sacramento Kings to have because they have a full regular (laughs) season ahead of them. But Chris, one of the things, the main thing I wanted to talk to you about here is, and I've been thinking about this and discussing this kind of off air with a bunch of people. And I think it's really interesting. Like, if the Sacramento Kings were guaranteed today that they are going to make the playoffs and have another playoff series, home court advantage, whatever, seeding doesn't matter. Like they could essentially choose to have a rematch in the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors, a team that they now know very, very well and know they had on the ropes at one point last season versus taking the field. And what I mean by the field is basically any other playoff team in the Western Conference. I'm not talking about like the Rockets or the Spurs or or, or the, the bad teams in the West. Right, of course, I got to redo my them. exercise then because I have the Kings versus Rockets <laughs> as my first option. Well, I'm, I'm sure that would be their first option too or anybody's first option in the West. But basically like the field being the, the Lakers, the Clippers, right. the Suns, anybody else in the West, like they have a chance at a different look in the playoffs or a chance yeah. to kind of get their revenge and face the Golden State Warriors again which route do you think the Sacramento Kings would go yeah I I think it's a a fair question to ask um, but I still am going to take the field I mean the the problem with with the Kings playing the Warriors again is yes the Kings now have some experience and that was the big talking point heading into the series was here's this team with no experience going against a team that almost is solely relying on their experience in Golden State um, and just a plethora of experience at that I still think that that there's still a massive gap. I mean, you could argue there's even more of a gap now that Chris Paul is over there, somebody who's been in just about every single playoff situation except for really winning the finals. Um, so I, I still think that that really exists. And I don't know if this offseason the Kings have addressed uh, the Kavon Looney problem. Mm. So it still makes me a little bit hesitant. And if you're going to ask me Warriors or the field, I'm just going to say that there has to be a better option out there than the team that really wasn't better than the Kings last year, but just knew what they needed to do in order to take down the Kings. So if you're going to give me options like, you know, Oklahoma City, who's a team who you could pick out and say, that's actually somebody who's less experienced, even more so than the Kings. Um, I'm going to take them. I'd consider taking Dallas, depending on how they look. Um, obviously a disappointing season last year, even like a team like Utah, if they're going to be sneaking into the playoff race, I think I'd rather face teams like that um, kind of on the lower end. But, you know, if we're looking at some of the higher end teams, even 
Uh, I don't love the Kings' chances against the the Lakers or anything like that, but I think a, a Memphis series would be really competitive. You still mm-hmm. kind of have that experience gap there, but I, I just think that matchup-wise, the Kings would, and we saw it a lot last year, I think they match up pretty well against a team like Memphis. Yeah, what's weird about the the Kings Warriors matchup is I don't think any team matched up well against the other. I think they were yeah. just a naturally good matchup because of the way the similar way that they played basketball. Yeah. So not one side didn't necessarily have the edge over the other. It's just they they played such a similar brand of basketball mm-hmm. that little minor adjustments uh, and and game planning ended up being the difference uh, in that series. Of course, some injuries too and some lack of shot making. See, Chris, I think that the Kings want another crack at the Warriors because they know they had the Warriors in the palm of their hand, even with the struggles that they had, the injuries that they faced. And on top of that, like the the game plan that I, I, the Kings, I believe, are going into this this season confident that the the Kavon Looney game plan, the backing off of Demonte Sabonis, that that's not going to happen again. Now they have to prove that and they're going to have a regular season to prove that and they're going to have a shot on their home opener against the Golden State Warriors game two of the right. season to potentially take another crack at that and see if they can fix that because they're going to have to address that because other teams are going to be throwing that kind of game plan at them. But I would I'd be very interested to see and we're going to see it three times before December like how much how if you're just copying and pasting what happened in the playoffs or what the Warriors were trying to do in the playoffs. If, if it's just going to be the exact same thing that the Sacramento Kings face, I almost want that to be the case because I want to see if this off season individually. And as a team, the Kings have addressed this issue or if they still have a ways to go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to, to think about what it would look like if they were to do it again. Like you said, we don't have to really imagine for much longer because of how many times they play the first couple games of the season. Um, but, you know, there's still a lot of concerning things, even when you look at, you know, when you just look at the Warriors lineup nowadays, even just imagining them more healthy. Like we can't forget that Andrew Wiggins literally just kind of, you know, I don't, I was going to say get off his couch, but he didn't get off his couch and enter the game. But he sat out for pretty much the entirety of the second half of last season. Right. And then his first game action was game one of the playoffs. What does Andrew Wiggins look like now that if presumably he's going to have a full season leading into it? Clay Thompson really struggled last year. It'll be interesting to see where he falls in his development. Is he really on a regression path or can he kind of bounce back to more solid shooting? Draymond Green, you know, is is he he really looked like he was taking a dip towards the end of last year. It'll be interesting to see how he kind of, you know, where his career goes as well. I think it's not, you know, as as cut and dry as looking at the Warriors even of last year and assuming that they were going to be the same team this year. It's just, you know, I I just can't get over the fact that, too, in Game 7, it just kind of ended up coming down to they have Steph Curry and we go. And I don't know if the Kings have really – actually, I know for a fact they have not addressed that either. Um, You know, there's – at the end of the day – when you look at series, a lot of the time, the team with the best player in the series ends up winning that series. And absolutely, Steph Curry was the best player in that series. He scored 30 points in every single game. I don't know if De'Aaron Fox, and we know De'Aaron obviously got hurt in that playoffs, but I don't know if De'Aaron, even still, and this is more a compliment to Steph than it is downgrading De'Aaron, but I just don't know if De'Aaron can step up to that level yet. And, you know, that's that's a very rarefied error, but 
it's it's just a really scary proposition for me for them to go into another series with Golden State because yes the Kings have a better idea of what they're getting in Golden State but also you got to look on the other side as well again a team with a ton of experience now has seven games to look back on your tendencies as well like I think that it's it's just again if you're going to give me Warriors of the field I just have to take the field. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Ibotta. Now that summer is wrapping up, maybe you're getting back uh, into the swing of, uh, of school and getting into fall and wanting to buy yourself all the school supplies that you might need, wanting to get ready for, for the fall cool down with some fall clothing, maybe getting some Halloween shopping done, getting some Halloween candy. You're going to the store for something. You can't not. You have to go out and buy uh, the goods that you need. So why not use Ibotta while buying those goods and earn cash back? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you are purchasing. You either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. Check this out. The average Ibotta user saves and earns 120 dollars per year that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip you can use that 120 dollars to buy yourself some sacramento kings tickets this season it's cash that you get not points that you can use towards retailers or anything like that it's cash that you can use for whatever you want and you can even earn cash back on hundreds of online brands like macy's lowe's sephora best buy and more right now i bought us offering our listeners five dollars for free just five dollars for trying ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use code LOCKED. You get $5. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store, and use code LOCKED. At some point, regardless of who the Kings are playing in the playoffs, if they want to get to where they want to get, which is the Western Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, actually winning a championship, they're going to need a get-on-my-back-I-will-carry-you-there guy. Like, mm-hmm. we believe this Kings team is really good and has a plethora of weapons, but at yes. some point, you need to have that Steph Curry-type performance. Now, comparing De'Aaron Fox or anybody to Steph Curry is ridiculous in the sense yes. that Steph is one of the greatest players of all time, so yes. you're not expecting anybody on this Kings roster to suddenly become that. But it's essentially what Steph became for the Warriors in that series. Can De'Aaron Fox become that, you think? Yeah. is De'Aaron Fox? I mean, he, he, yeah, and he had one of the best playoff debuts in NBA history. We mm-hmm. know he's capable of being like the leading scorer and a really, really good player. But do you do you need to see more from De'Aaron Fox, Chris, this season? Because we saw clutch fourth quarter Fox and how big of a difference that was. But do we need to see more from De'Aaron Fox of the guy that's just like, essentially what Steph was in game seven, I am not letting us lose this game. Um, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I think as a player, he's proven himself more times than not. Like, I, sure. I think I believe that De'Aaron Fox has that in his bag. Like, I definitely think he's got the capabilities of leading this Kings team. I don't know how far yet, but absolutely, like leading into the, the postseason, this regular season, I'd love to see a couple, you know, De'Aaron Fox, a couple 40, 40 plus point games. You know, I want to see him not just dominate in the fourth, but dominate maybe in the first half and in the fourth quarter and the second half in general. Like I'd love to see those. Of course, those are good signs that he's got the the rhythm of the game down and understands, you know, um, Tom Brady always talks about how the Super Bowl is kind of a different game because mm-hmm. the halftime is so long that you have to you know, you, you almost have to readjust. It's almost like it's a whole set. The second half is almost a whole separate game. Mm-hmm. Darren kind of needs to understand that for the regular season where 
okay, what does it feel like to score 40, 50 points in a game routinely? Or not routinely, but a couple times. You know, you have to understand, okay, like this took a lot of energy out of me in the first quarter. So maybe in the second quarter, I need to focus more on getting to the line and just kind of those things. He needs to understand what it feels like to get through a 50-point performance and understand what it takes to carry that weight so that in the postseason, it's still going to be different, but he at least has an idea of how to kind of load manage, I guess, his body to get through those performances. But as a player, I don't think he needs to prove to me that he's capable of doing that. It's just kind of getting the reps of, of doing it and, and understanding those moments. I think if anything, that's kind of what I would like to see out of De'Aaron is there wasn't a lot of opportunity for it last year, but there'll be games where the Kings are pretty much appearing to be out of the game. I would like to see, okay, like this guy is going to try and single-handedly bring us back today. You know, I want to see De'Aaron Fox go out swinging and, you know, if the Kings are going to win more games than they won last year, I think they're the thing that they're going to have to do is, you know, on nights where they just don't have it, they're going to, to your point earlier, they're going to need somebody to carry this team uh, to, to new heights because, that's really the thing, you know, they won as a team last year, I think a lot of the time. And uh, there's going to be some times where if you want to be a 50 plus win team, you're just going to have to win because, oh, they had De'Aaron Fox tonight and we did. This is going to, I mean, it feels like a really dumb question to ask, but in Adam Silver's NBA, I think it's now become like a legitimate question. How much do you think the regular season matters to the Sacramento mm. Kings this year compared to like a team like, in my opinion, yeah, the true. Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. the Phoenix Suns? These are teams that I mean, the Lakers proved it last year. Right. Just get to the playoffs. Yeah, you get, get to, to the, the playoffs time, yeah. pretty much healthy, then you can go on the run at the right time. Yeah. I think the regular season is still very important for the Sacramento Kings because they have still some questions to answer and they're still getting used to playing with one another. They've only been yeah. together. This core's only been together a calendar year. So I think the regular season is very important for the evolution of this team. But I mean, so many people have talked about the Kings might still win 48 games and be an even worse seed and not have home court advantage. Okay. Like as long as they get there, maybe that's that's enough or good enough for Sacramento. How much do you think the regular season matters for them? Yeah, I mean, what you just said, there's a fantastic point. And just to kind of build upon that, I think the reason why it's so important is because this team still needs confidence. Again, like yeah. they can't go into the postseason. Like you mentioned those two, the Lakers, they go into the offs. If, if you make the postseason, it doesn't matter if you were just above 500 or even below 500. You're going to tell yourself, we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis that's just something that teams are going to have to deal with. And it doesn't matter if we're a 40-win team, a 30-win team. Unless you figure out those two guys, you're going to have a problem getting us out of the playoffs. We might not win the series, but that's going to be something you have to deal with. The Kings, unfortunately, at least mentally, I don't think they have the luxury of doing that. Like They, they still kind of need to prove to themselves as well that they – like it, it's just confidence building, really. I mean, you know, the I think the three seed – made them not in a bad way but i think it made them feel like okay what we did this year the goals that we had set out this year are legitimate like three seeds win nba championships and you know all season long the goal wasn't you know make the playoffs mike brown said the goal was 50 wins but it wasn't just to make it into the tournament it was to make damage in the tournament and so i think yeah, I just think the regular season's big for for building confidence in this team. They need to feel like they deserve to be there. And I, you know, 
even if they're a seven seed, I'm sure they're still going to feel like they deserve it. But if you can go in as the higher seed, you're going to feel like you belong and like you have a legitimate chance of winning. And, you know, when you don't have a big star name like a like a Steph or like a LeBron or a KD and Devin Booker, like you're just not, I don't believe that you're going to truly go into the playoffs with the confidence of we have a shot to do it. So if they can win 48 games again, if they can get to 50 wins, I just think it's going to give them a little bit of wind in their sails to feel like, okay, we, we can do this. We did it again. And uh, this year we're actually going to make some noise. How confident are you in Monty McNair's investment essentially into internal growth with this team? Mm. Um, I thought it was the right move. That's what I'll say. Um, whether or not uh, I should, let me go back. I think it was the right move given all of the circumstances mm -hmm. of the off season. Like I was not a big, let's pay Kyle Kuzma $25 million to come over here when Harrison Barnes went, went for 16 18, mil, $18 yeah, 18, million. Yeah. Like it just as a value proposition, like, and I know that's kind of how Monty thinks like Kyle Kuzma is not going to be worth that extra investment. Like, yeah, he might be a, a slightly better player than Harrison Barnes, but for that extra $6 million, you can bring in a whole other body that could really affect your team. Like if the Kings sign Kyle Kuzma, I don't know if they can have the money to afford bringing in Chris Duarte. That's, that's just an example. I don't know sure. if that's a perfect, you know, a perfect uh, fit, but that's kind of more what I'm getting at is sometimes the, the the fact that you can pay a guy a little bit less, even though he's a little worse, but you can add a little bit more to your team. I would much rather do that than essentially the Kings would have been trying something new just for the sake of trying something new. Like mm -hmm. if you're not going to bring in a guy at this point that really changes your calculus, like, oh, right now with Harrison Barnes, they're a first round exit. Now they're a second round like, I, I just don't know if that's worth it. I feel like the Kings are kind of built like a Jenga stack a little right now. And they kind of, if they're going to take a piece out, they need to bring a piece in that's going to change who they are as a team. And, you know, that's why it's going to be so interesting what happens between now and the trade deadline. Like, yes, Harrison Barnes is signed to a new deal, but I don't necessarily think that he's 100% going to be here for those three years. I look at Davion Mitchell, his contracts kind of coming up here in Sacramento they're going to have to make a decision on him whether or not they want to keep him long term could they package those guys I, I'm just throwing things out there mm -hmm. I think the I think it was the right move for Monty to bring all these guys back but I'm not sure if it's the right move to go into the postseason expecting massively different results if you're just going to bring the same guys back so kind of a, a two-sided coin but I, I believe that he made the right move this offseason We'll see if he still makes the right moves going through this season because there's still a whole lot that needs to be done to this team if they want to if they want to really compete at the end of the day. Like even putting my king's bias aside, like I have a hard time looking at this group and going, yeah, they're going to regress or yeah. especially significantly regress. Mm -hmm. Like I just think there's too much talent on this roster with Mike Brown as the head coach and his coaching staff still intact, which after watching the FIBA World Cup, I have no idea how Jordy Fernandez is still here, but thank God <laughs> no he is still here. Yeah. Uh, it's probably only going to be for one more year. Um, but like 
I, I just have so much confidence in this team's ability to, at the very least, stay the same, but I think they're naturally going to stay take steps forward. Now, mm-hmm. those steps might not be enough compared to other big steps that other Western Conference teams are making to secure sure. the, the the third seed again. So, like, when, when we talk about regression, Chris, like, when, when looking at, without the context of what the Kings are doing, when looking at, like, win totals, the Kings drop from 48 to... 45 or they drop from a three seed to a six seed or whatever it may be, or maybe they fall into the play in tournament. Like, is there a line that or, or, or like a spot that they end up in or a win total that they end up in that at that point you go, yeah, I think this was a disappointment. I mean, the play in feels right. Like if they, if they can't lock up a top six seed, that feels like it's something's gone wrong. It would feel like you. I would assume someone gets hurt. Um, and that's always a possibility. I mean, the Kings were literally, I, I'm pretty sure statistically uh, in terms of starting five games missed, they were the healthiest team in NBA history. By far. Yeah. By far. Is that going to continue? I don't know. I very much doubt it, but how much of a regression is that, you know, does De'Aaron and and Domas, can they still play 70 games? Can they play 65? How are those games missed kind of dispersed? Are they missing games together? Is it just one or the other? All that stuff is going to play a factor uh, into, you know, I think the goalpost is constantly coming forward and moving back based off of the situation. Like you have to be real about the situation that the team goes through throughout the season. So that's going to play effect for sure. But if they've been, let's just as a blanket statement, let's assuming health, if the Kings are a playing team, that really kills the confidence. Kind of like I was talking about earlier. It's just really tough to believe as a seven seed, unless you're a team like the Lakers who has LeBron and AD. It's just tough to believe that we're going to dig ourselves out of this hole and come out on top later, um, whether it be taking down a two seed or, you know, even just just advancing further than that in the playoffs. Like, it's just hard to have confidence that you're going to that you're going to pull through. But, I, you know, I, I think, again, I think the team's going to be different. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be more fun in a lot of ways than it was last year. I don't know. Again, I don't know if the win total is going to match that, but I just think with, with what the Kings have done to add in more shooting, I think the offense is going to somehow be better than it was last year. To me, it's really still a question of defense. And I know it's not fun to talk about the defense of the team, but I don't look at the any person they brought in this offseason and really think, wow, okay, the Kings are making a serious concerted effort to make their defense significantly better. Chris Duarte, I think, can help on the defensive end, but you look at Sasha Pazankov, I don't think he's really going to help on the defensive end. You look at the the plethora of backup centers the Kings have brought in, Nerlens, you know, JaVale McGee, Nemeas Keita, all these guys, Alex Len, they're rim protectors, but I just, I really think that that's putting a Band-Aid on, on, a, on a wound. Like, I don't think that that's actually helping. I don't think it's really solving the root of the problem, the fact that the Kings are a turnstile on the perimeter defensively. You can have a goalie back there, but again, it's not really fixing the root of the problem. So, you know, we'll, we'll see who ends up taking that spot. But I feel like th- if this Kings team wants to significantly actually get better and increase their title odds, They've got to start playing some defense and it's not being an elite defense. The the stat that everybody points at, that's just, it's incredibly true. Denver Nuggets, they were 15th in defense last year, literally right in the middle of the mm-hmm. league. And it was good enough to win a championship because their offense was dynamic enough. And you look at the Sacramento Kings, 
incredible offense, what, 22nd in, in defense last defensive rating last year. They've got a similar build as Denver. They, their two best players are their point guard and their center. And, and you know, if there's anybody in this league who resembles the play of Nikola Jokic, it's Demonis Sabonis. So the game plan is kind of there to, to succeed in the playoffs. They just have to move that defensive rating and, and just in general improve their defense to a point where they're average. And that's really it. So we'll end with this, Chris, going back to the playoff series against the Golden State Warriors. Defensively, the Sacramento Kings were significantly better in that series. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a couple questions that branch off of that that we can yeah. kind of all sum up here into this, this last uh, question. The first question is, is that because of the physicality of the playoffs and the refs let more go? which mm -hmm. means the Kings can't really count on that during the regular season because we saw how much they were called for fouls, especially early last season, number right. one. Number two is we saw the offense struggle. How much does yeah. that defensive effort impact the offense? So mm -hmm. kind of a, a combination of that, all of that into kind of one question here. How much are you looking at what the Kings were able to do defensively in the playoffs and applying that to this season? Does it give you confidence or are you hesitant to believe like that's what this team is defensively? Yeah, I'm a little hesitant to believe that's what this team is. I it's it's good to know that they're capable of reaching those levels, but mm. that was playoffs. And frankly, we only saw it in the first round of the playoffs. And even more frankly, we really only saw it the first two games of the series. Um, I think it's again, it's a good sign. It's something Mike Brown can put on tape and show these guys on film, like, hey, look what you guys are capable of. I've literally seen you play this level of this intense level of defense can i see some of that during the regular season and you're not going to be able to do that for 82 games again, sure only saw the kings do it for really two games in the playoffs but can you do it for 30 games 40 games can you do it on big games can you play uh the warriors uh, you know at least a tough defense I, I think it's more just signs along the way because matt we watched every single kings game last year was there a single game and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. Was there a single game last year where you said, wow, the Kings just brought it tonight defensively? Nope. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't, I literally don't remember a single game. And that's why it was such a stark contrast in game one when we actually saw them playing defense. So I think they're capable of it, but can you do it for 82 games? No. And I think they know that. I think I heard De'Aaron say, you know, it's more just about trying to adjust your initial level like if the, again if the kings can be from 22nd to 18th defensively okay now you're starting off as the 18th best defense i guess i don't know if you would say best but 18th best defense now what does it look like when you take that next step forward so it's kind of just establishing that baseline of what is good defense throughout the regular season and trying to build upon that in the postseason. But your question's incredibly fair of their their offense was terrible mm -hmm. last year in the playoffs. I mean, there was there was not there was one game, game three, in my opinion, or I'm sorry, game four, uh, when they really looked like the Kings offense of the regular season. And I do think a big part of that is because of the level of intensity that they were putting on the defensive side of the ball. It's really tough. I mean, that's that's part of conditioning. That's kind of like I was talking about earlier with De'Aaron in, in the 50-point games. You almost have to know, you have to get the reps through the regular season of what does this feel like to play defense for 48 minutes and how does that impact me so that now I know how I need to address these games. Um, 
And, you know, all of that stuff is kind of on the players. It's not on Mike Brown. We know Mike Brown is preaching defense every single day. Mm. We know that he doesn't think that last year's defense was acceptable. It's on the players to go out there and, and really set the, set the tone and set that level of intensity from day one. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think I still think that this team's strength is, is their offense and their offensive weapons. And, again, I look at the player personnel. I don't see a lot of guys who – who project to be good defenders in the NBA with the exception of really Davion Mitchell and, and Kessler Edwards, but um, they've, they've got to figure it out. I mean, everyone always talks about team defense being the key. Mm. They really need to buy in as a unit and it's, it's kind of everybody pulling on a string and, and we'll just we'll have to see if it, if it works. And if, again, if they can get to a league average level, I think that's when this team can really start to cook. Well, I imagine Mike Brown is itching to finally get training camp started to get his hands on these guys and get back to work. And I know that he's going to think training camp is way too short for the amount of stuff that he wants (laughs) to get done. This regular season is going to be interesting. It's just fun to have this high of expectations going into a year, Chris. And of course, you're going to be discussing it all year long on Sacktown Sports 1140. Uh, Even NFL season coming back right now. You guys are all hitting the NFL really, really hard. So keep up the great work over there. Go and check out Chris's work over there. And at some point, I'll steal you again during this season to get a little bit of your time talking kids basketball. Anytime, Matt. Anytime. Okay, just not 10 to 2. Anytime, (laughs) not 10 to 2, except for today. Shout out to Chris again for making time here to join me on the Locked On Kings podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have him on. Uh, and I'm now I very much want to hear your thoughts on the conversation that we had. Like, if you're the Kings, or maybe just you as a fan, do you want a shot at revenge against the Golden State Warriors? Or would you rather the Kings dodge the Warriors? Doesn't mean they're afraid of them. Just means it's smarter for them tactically to get a different kind of matchup and go in that direction. And what is the matchup you're looking at in that case? Like, you could put the Los Angeles Clippers in there. They have questions about if they can stay healthy. Plus, for some reason, the Kings just seem to match up well with the Clippers, and they have for a while. So maybe that's the team you pick. Like, let me know. Weigh in on this conversation, the Warriors or the field. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com, and leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Really appreciate you taking the time joining me here on the Locked on Kings podcast today. Uh, Always fun to have you on. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Have more great interviews, podcasts, and content coming for you as we're one step closer, one day closer to training camp and preseason. Still feels like it's uh, it's far away, but we'll get there. We'll get there together. So stick with me. I appreciate you, and I can't wait to see you on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.